0: Farmers, ranchers, and homesteaders, get ready to learn the skills needed to grow your direct to consumer farm brands and keep more of your profits on the farm.
1: This is the Direct Farm Marketing Podcast. Here is your host, Mike Parker. All
0: right, guys. Welcome back to the Direct Farm Marketing Podcast. You've got me, your host, Mike Parker, and your our co-host, Amanda Berkey. Amanda, how's hey your guys. day going? How's your day going it's today? It's it's
1: it's a cold day in Idaho.
0: I got you. Yeah, you sent me a text this morning with a bunch of snow. Kids were sledding down the hill. Um, I'm kind of jealous, but not jealous at the same time.
1: Oh, you can have it, Mike. (laughs) I'm done with it at this point.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. So guys, today we um, have some really good stuff coming your way. First, I want to do a little um, you know, homekeeping stuff. One, if you have not gotten yourself a copy of the pre-sold season, that is our strategy to pre-sell your 2024 farming season, then go ahead and get yourself a copy of that. You can get that in the show notes. Um, And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It really helps us, really helps the algorithm help get this podcast into more farmers and ranchers' hands so that they can benefit from the content that we're talking about today. So leading to that, today, guys, we're going to be talking about websites. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things that comprise a good website, bad website, what we look for. We're going to have some different conversations. I think um, the overarching idea, though, that we want to tap into here is that false narrative that all you need is a website, or if you have a website, all of a sudden, everyone's going to start showing up, or you're going to all of a sudden start growing your business because you have a website, and unfortunately, guys, simply that's just not true, and we're going to dive into that a little bit today, but I also, before we jump in, wanted to let you guys know that these episodes with Amanda and I, we are chronologically trying to take you guys through what we would call a roadmap of what you're going to need to be successful in growing your direct-to-consumer farm brand. So in episode one, we talked about finding customers, building that customer database. And then episode two, once we find those customers, we talk a little bit about how to communicate with them. So how this idea of selling products and not solutions, and then leading us here to where we are, Um, in a website right now obviously we have some episodes sprinkled in there with some guests trying to bring you guys some really valuable information from some other people in the direct farming world but today here's where we are amanda if you want to kick us off let's jump into this idea of thinking all we need is a website in order to be successful
1: yeah so what is a website if we don't have anyone viewing it First off, so, you know, we've talked about growing our customer database um, and how to connect with them with hooks and headlines and selling solutions, Um, but where are we directing them to when we make that connection so we want to focus on first our traffic sources you know where we're getting our traffic from um and then where we what we're doing with that traffic where we're sending them to what they're seeing you know what their experience is as they journey through our content so um yeah like first of all what where what are different types of traffic are
0: yeah um. Great. So I want to real quick define traffic, guys. So we're just talking about. Um. I like to say eyeballs. Sometimes it's just people who are coming in. They're looking at your stuff. So in the digital marketing world, um, we're talking about traffic as users who are coming through your website. They're coming through. Um. we'll, we'll we're pertaining to websites, but traffic can also take place on social media and some other platforms. But specifically, when we say traffic in this episode, we're talking about visitors to your website. So we can also replace the word traffic with website visitors. So to answer your question, Amanda, looking at some different traffic sources, um, we got to start to think about where can people find us? How do you typically find a website? And how do you typically find some of that content? Um, So real quick, before I do answer that, I missed one of our points, I want to jump in before we dive into the traffic sources here. And that is the three ways that we help all of our clients and that all of you guys can grow your direct to consumer farm brand from this episode and from everything else that we're doing. And there's three ways we're trying to make it super simple. Number one is traffic. So we just defined that that's just website visitors. So the more website visitors you can get, obviously the more people that are seeing your stuff. Now, once they see your stuff, how well do they convert? So number two is conversion. So they see your stuff. Number one, that's just the traffic. Number two, how well do they then convert? And then number three, How well are we able to retain those customers and continue to get repeat buyers out of them? So that's what we're gonna kind of dive into. We're talking right now about number one, traffic. We're gonna talk about number two, conversion, specifically for your website. And then we'll save retention for another episode. But one, two, and three, that's what we do for our clients. That's what you guys can do for yourself to help you grow. Um, So sorry for the long-winded response. Um, but diving into the main traffic sources, you know, we, we've got several that obviously come to mind, like one being social media as a huge driver for traffic, we would put social media. Typically we're going to divide our traffic into organic traffic, meaning that it's free. We were not paying for it. And then paid traffic, which would be like our advertising traffic. So social media would land in that category of organic Um, Free typically, if if we're not talking about ads. So, think about our Instagram account, our Facebook page. And we talk to a lot of clients. They're like, oh, we're marketing on Facebook. We're marketing on Instagram. That's how people are finding us. So, maybe they see a link in bio, they see a link on your Facebook page, and then they find their way over to your website. So, that would be one example of a traffic source, people coming to your website. Um, Amanda, I'll let you kick us off with a couple more because we've got several more of these, and I don't want to be the only one talking.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned that like organic side of social media. So, another organic um source of traffic would be like your Google My Business listing. You know, that is such an important listing because Google is the biggest search platform in the world. Um and so, you know, a lot of people if they're looking for something specifically, they're going to jump on Google, search what they're looking for, whether that's, you know, natural beef or, you know, whole chickens or whatever they're looking for. So you want to make sure that you're going to be seen in that listing and ranking in that listing and how you do that is, you know, with good SEO and, um, you know, optimization with that Google, my business platform, the Google, my business has really transformed over the years. So there's a lot more options um, to make sure that you're really seen with that. Um, And again, there's a paid side of that. Also, you know, you can do Google paid ads and we're going to talk about that in a bit, but the organic side of that is really good SEO, really good ranking, Um, um, and we'll talk about more with that when we talk about websites also. Um, but so Google My Business is a good organic traffic as well as other listings. So, um, you know, Mike and I cover this in uh, Direct Farm Roadmap, but there is a lot of places that you can get listed, um, directories and sorts. Um, as as this market is growing, this direct-to-consumer market is growing, there's a lot of people that have made platforms just for consumers to be able to find and locate local farms, you know, so that is a really good one. And we have a list of those that we recommend to people that we work with. And, um, you know, I know Mike, you've had good luck with that using that yourself as well. So, um, directories are a great organic traffic as well.
0: Yeah. Directories are, can be fantastic. Really depends on what it is you're producing, um, for the raw milk producers out there, you know, get raw milk. I think raw milk finder are two very good ones that that world is kind of a world of its own. Um, there's some really good ones for pasture-based operations um, that we've that we've tapped into. Weston A Price, um, My Health Forward, My Health Get Rip Chicken. Some of those. Yeah. Yeah. These are just, these are free directories that they have a link, right? So on their directory, you can search if someone's searching in your state in your County, whatever they're searching and then your farm pops off and there's a link. And then when they, that link is a link to your website. So when they click that link, now they're on your website. So that's traffic. That's someone that came to your website from somewhere else. So Amanda touched on the Google, my business and touched on SEO a little bit. And I want to, kind of jump back there and I want to divide the two um, because they're kind of two different parts of organic Google search. So I just did a Google search on my phone for you guys that are on YouTube. You can see maybe what that looks like there. My camera will focus, but for you guys that are not on YouTube, I'm going to read out what came up. So I Googled farm raised beef near me and the first results are going to be paid ads. So these are people that are paying ads on Google AdWords. I've got North Georgia beef, Texca farms, some really good friends of mine, um, right below them, we have wild pastures, a national home delivery service. So buy from the local people, um, plug number one for Texas beef. And then right below the sponsored ad guys is going to be the map. So that's that picture of the map that has the little dots. And, you know, you see the Google review rankings and that whole thing next to it. That is what Ma- Amanda referenced as the Google, my business page. So your listing here is an organic, it's a free listing, but it's going to be the exact location of your farm and to make sure you guys have this optimized and to be found here is super important. So I'm gonna separate that though, from the organic search. So below the farm, you start to have some organic results. So one of our clients and a good friend of mine, pasture-raised beef, Muddy H Farms, Gainesville, Georgia, because I am in Gainesville, Georgia and I searched Gainesville, Georgia, Google knew that and served me here. So if I were to click on that, if I was searching that, now I'm making traffic to their farm website. So that kind of covers the main ideas of traffic sources that are organic. As I mentioned, we have paid advertising as well. So Amanda, if you want to, if you would, maybe I know we didn't cover this a little bit in kind of our overview, but dive into like, obviously there's a difference between organic and paid advertising. And then as far as the traffic being different, like what would that look like? Obviously you're paying for paid traffic, right? Right, Um, right what what would that difference what would you tell someone a difference would be in paid and organic traffic other than just the fact you're paying for it
1: sure so to start with like um in google with google so when you pulled up that search that you just did in those first spots are sponsored spots so that means someone paid to have their listing there um so before anyone scrolls, it's the very first thing that pops up. It's the very first thing that catches their eye. Um, so when we talked about op- optimization within Google Ads, like you want to make sure that you have the right information there, that it's clear and direct, and and exactly matches you know the search, so that you can you know pull that. That traffic in, but that spot is a paid spot. So before you ever scroll down to the spots that are organic listings, that's why you pay for that spot because you get eyes on your listing first before having to rely on any kind of ranking or or anything else. So um, that is a paid spot. That's why you would pay for that spot. Um, when you talk about Facebook ads specifically, and and this goes for Google too, um, but you. Rather than relying on an algorithm of sorts, an AI, a computer, um, you're paying for a targeted audience. So you're able to select and target certain audiences. You're able to create lookalike audiences. We've talked about that in the past. Um, When we talked about our customer database, why that's so important to have our target audience really dialed down is because we can take that core audience, plug it in and then make a lookalike audience. So what it does is it looks at the audience and all of their features, and then it takes that and it, it makes a audience based off of what those people like and recreates a new audience for you based on similarities. So that's when we get into like being able to grow Um, your audience is. And that's why we talked about that footwork is so important because once you get that core down, then you can take that and really grow through paid traffic. And at that point, you're reaching an audience that far surpasses just a um, algorithm audience. So, or like posting to your Facebook page, like our, our Instagrams and Facebook pages are great. And they're a great way to connect with people once you get them there. But in order to get them there, posting on your pages is only going to reach the people within your pages, um, unless you're talking about reels and, you know, algorithms.
0: That's right. So I kind of wanted to shift towards like a a way that I was looking at that question was like, you know, when I think of like paid versus non paid traffic, especially on social media, you're like, oh, what you said was great. Whoever you're posting, you're only reaching, first of all, maybe not everyone because the algorithm, but you're only reaching people that are following your page, which we're talking about mm-hmm. your mom, your grandparents, your cousins, <laughs> friends down the road you know, people you went to high school with, right. And these are not always our customers. So that's the right. idea is like with, with the paid advertising, we can start to target lookalike groups or groups of people that we want to target as potential customers. So we can start to introduce our brand now to new people. So I think that about wraps up this first part. Well, I got one more question on traffic, but that's kind of given us an idea now, like why traffic's so important. Going back to the first question we kind of kicked off the podcast with of like, if you if you think that all you need is a website and then all of a sudden you're going to start making sales and all of a sudden the, you know the sales are going to take off you're going to reach this new audience and you're going to grow if you don't have a traffic strategy so if you don't have a strategy to drive traffic to your page now in a perfect world i look at each one of these traffic sources as a spoke in the wheel and in order for the cart to continue rolling uh, properly or efficiently, we need each of these in place. So we need good traffic coming from social media. We need good traffic coming to, from the directories because they're optimized. We have good SEO because people are coming from there. And then we're also running some paid ads. So we're reaching some new people and we're growing and we're moving down the road. Now I understand you guys have a lot of time constraints um, and it's hard to do each one of these avenues really, really well at a high level. And so it's very much okay if you pick one or two or two and three and you excel at those and maybe leave out one or the other. So my next question going into that, if there were to be one that we're going to pick out or one that we want to really exceed at and we're going to call it the most valuable type of organic traffic, what would that be? I answered it and I'll let, because we kind of went through these questions before the podcast, I'll throw my answer out there and then I'll let Amanda kind of expound on it. And I said that would be organic SEO traffic. And the reason that is, is because number one, once you do the work, once you set up the, once you optimize your website to be for SEO, for Google to index you and find you, people are going to be able to find you. And you're not going to have to do much, any, really any work to maintain that. I haven't touched my SEO in a year, and we rank in our local area for pastured chicken, pastured pork, and so do all my other clients. That brings in traffic to their website, and they're not touching it. They're not making reels on Instagram, they're not posting on Facebook, they're not doing any of those things, and they're getting traffic to their website. Now, don't hear me say you don't need to post on Instagram, you don't need to post on Facebook. Those, again, those are other spokes in the wheels I mentioned. they you guys need those to drive more traffic. But if you're strapped for time and say, I just don't have time for Instagram. I don't have time for Facebook. Then make sure you have great SEO traffic and you're listed in every directory and you've made a lot of connections with people. So you still are getting traffic without using those social platforms. Um, you got anything to add there, Amanda? Sorry, I took that away.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Mike, what you're saying is it's the cheapest and the least amount of work, right?
0: <clears throat> Absolutely, That's I'm, I'm, yeah. I like that
1: so yeah no that's that's kind of the main points to wrap up what mike was saying is that you know there's some a little bit of legwork involved with setting those things up and setting them up correctly um you know it starts with research and making sure you're doing doing that process correctly and completing everything that you need to complete and giving your your audience the right amount of information and being clear and concise with your offers um but once that legwork is done you know as far as work goes organic traffic is, is the least amount of work when we, when we compare it to other sources of traffic. So, um, so yeah, cheapest and and least amount of work, you know, and highest, highest ROI. Right. And that's what we're always looking for. Right. So like you said that it's, it's a, just a spoke in the wheel. There's so many other things and everything plays a part, you know, Um, you would never want to rely on just one piece of traffic. Like you said, you want to, you want to pick at least two or three to, to really focus in and dial down Um, and, and always be um, managing and maintaining, you know? So, you know, that's another part to that too, but, um, but yeah, cheapest and (laughs) least amount of work I think is, is really what we're looking at there. So,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to kind of jump into a little bit of SEO stuff, just some basic stuff. SEO is kind of a deep rabbit hole. We cover a lot of that in the Direct Farm Roadmap course. We dive into, you know, all best practices, how to set that up on your website. But really, guys, we, we, if we start, if you guys want to start doing some research on your own, you can just start you know, searching what SEO is, what SEO best practices are. Obviously, making sure that you know the name of our farm is like on our pages, it's in our content. The cities that we're serving, or that the markets that we want to be selling in, are on our pages, are in our content. Um, our page, at, you know, it's our search. Our page search titles and subtitles and descriptions are optimized for Google SEO. And then the last thing, probably the most important thing, is once you get all of that completed and you've built out your site, you wanna submit your websites, it's called a sitemap. It's basically a long stretch of code and you wanna submit that to the Google Search Console. And that's how Google is going to index your site against all the other sites that are out there so that people can find you. If you don't do that, people aren't gonna be able to find you. So that's a really big piece. Um, If you guys wanna learn more about that, we teach that in the course. We'll I'll drop a link for that in the show notes as well. But I wanted to touch a little bit on SEO. Maybe we'll do an episode on it in the future. It's kind of a monster of its own. It but it is yes. worth the investment and time to learn and build because once you build it, like I said, it's not like you got to go post a reel every week or every, you know, day or other day or two days or anything like that.
1: <laughs> if you build it, they will come.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So, moving from back to those first three, I said guys, traffic, conversion, retention. So, we kind of covered traffic, right? This is the idea of this is where people are coming from, they're like they're coming to our website. And so once we get them to our website, we're going to start talking about conversion and conversions going to be very very based on real things that have to do with the design of our website, right? depending on how our website's designed, depending on some of the creative elements, depending on some of the features is going to either increase or decrease the amount of conversion rates. So let's say we have 500 people come to our website and we have two sales, right? That is going to be a very poor conversion rate. Okay. So if we're out there, we're spending time, we did all the SEO work, we're posting on Instagram, sharing on Facebook, we're running paid ads, and we're driving this traffic now, Is coming to the website. We want to optimize that site so that our conversion percentage of people that show up is going to increase into real, tangible sales. So in that, I've got a question for you, Amanda, here. And that would be, if we start thinking about website conversions, what elements, what things, what generally makes a website convert well in that role?
1: Yeah. So um, when we talk about websites, um, a pretty website isn't everything, right? So um, when we talk about the customer experience, once they get to our page, we want to make sure that first of all, that it's mobile friendly, because most of our users are going to be coming using mobile these days. You know, most people relate a website to a desktop, but that's just not the case anymore, because now we have phones that are, you know, replacing a laptop. So um, when you talk about, you know, 80% or more of your traffic coming from um, a mobile phone you want to be sure that when you look at your website from a mobile standpoint that it's that it works you know not not only that it works but that um, you know that it's not overwhelming because you're talking about cramming um, you know a page this size into a page this size so making sure that everything converts well to that um, and that you know it's not overwhelming um, you know we when we talk about that, we also talk about navigation, um, that it's easily navigatable for anyone that's coming, you know, that it's clear and concise, um, that you are also making connection with your brand. Um, but also having a clear offering too. Um,
0: so so navigating, like, and I just kind of want to ask some questions on navigating. So like navigating in relation to walk me through navigating a little bit. Like if someone's navigating the site how can how can that increase or decrease conversion rates?
1: So when you obviously when you get to a site and you're navigating, you're going through the site in different steps and whatnot, you know, you're for a mobile mobile version, you're gonna have a navigation bar at the top. So being able to access that and see clearly where, you know, where that's gonna take you if if that's if you're trying to find something, you know, you want those navigation tools to be clear and concise so that if someone has a point of what they're trying to reach through your site, that it's easy to access Um, and and works. You know, a lot of times we see problems with, um, you know, those navigation tools not working correctly. Um, So if someone reaches a 404 page from your website, the chances of them backing out and trying to find another way to get where they're trying to go is slim to none. So you've just lost that conversion, right? So, um, so we want to make sure that everything's connected correctly, that everything's working What's that. I
0: was gonna say for you guys listening, a 40, 404 page would be a page that either a link was not working or was missing. And so they clicked on a link or they clicked on a button or they clicked on a feature of your site and it took them to an empty page because either you hadn't gotten to it because, you know, the cows needed hay or the chickens needed fed or something along the lines in your life right. that's more important, I totally understand but we got to understand that those things really hurt that navigation and user experience on our website.
1: Right. And so when we're thinking about website management, right? So if you're running an offer and then that offer expires but that page is still up there, you know, that's not a good experience either because then people are looking, you know, wasting their time and their energy looking at something that's not even applicable anymore. So you want to make sure that it's up to date that you don't have old expired offers, um, that the offers that you're currently offering apply to your season or where you're at in the year. Um, And then as far as the pages that you're on, when we're navigating through the the page itself, you want to make sure that it's, easy to read, you know, that it's, you know, legible, that the writing doesn't conflict with other imagery and things on the page, um, that your buttons and things are in the right spot and that those are easy to read and understand. Um, You know, if they click on that, they know where they're going. Um, or at least have an idea of what they're, you know, what they're clicking on. Um, and again, that those are connected correctly and and operating correctly. Um, and we don't want to overwhelm them with too much information. You know, we want to be clear about who, who they're, you know, who they're seeing, who they're connecting with. You know, you want to be able to share an experience um, right away, especially on that homepage. You know, you want to you want them to click on that and know that they are connecting with you, especially if they're coming from, you know, either a paid ad or organic social media, you know, if they already have an idea of who you are and who your brand is, you want to continue to relate that idea throughout your website as well. So, you know, that first impression when they get to your, your homepage on your website, and then not having too much to have to scroll through before giving them what we're trying to do, which is a conversion, right? So we want them to see what we have to offer as far as shopping goes. So we want that to be also very accessible. We don't want them to have to continue to scroll through your website or have to push through a bunch of navigation buttons to be able to get where they're going. And we definitely don't want them to have to be rerouted from your website to somewhere else to be able Able to shop your products right so
0: aka barnador
1: <laughs> yeah i didn't want to say it but mike did <laughs> so um so yeah that's when we're talking about navigation we want a good user experience for all these people that are coming through you know we've worked so hard to get this traffic to this website and it can be a big beautiful website but if things aren't working correctly or if they get lost in your page if there's too much going on um you know there's a really high chance that you can lose that conversion
0: Sure, sure. So I like to think of guys to to take some of the, Amanda, that was great. Um, I know that there's some people listening that maybe aren't tracking some of the marketing terms. So I'm going to try to give another example with how I like to look at it in the real world. So I like to think of, for at least for my farm, the dream customer, she's a 35-year-old homeschool mom. So I think uh, you guys have heard me talk about her a lot. Um, I'm not sure what her name is, but that's who the dream customer is. And so when we start (laughs) to think about her, it's Amanda, by the way, in case you guys didn't know, Amanda is that dream customer. (laughs) So when I start to think about her, you know, Amanda touched on something. I think about her navigating our site, right? She's busy. She's got there's kids um, always begging for her attention. She's got to get dinner ready tonight. You know, she's got a schedule to keep. There's all these things going on in her life. So when we start to look at navigation, number one, if the site's not easy to navigate, you're going to lose her attention pretty quickly. So that's, that's high on the priority list. Amanda mentioned having things that are up to date. So if you guys don't have like your up-to-date process, I see this a lot, like your up-to-date processing dates or what's available this season or the right cuts and bundles that you currently have available, if she sees that, you're kind of risking two things. One, you're risking losing her because your information isn't up to date and you're asking her to, her to do the legwork of reaching out to you and you might just lose her in you know, the busyness of life. But number two, you're also telling her that you know you may not be on top of everything you have going on and you're kind of not presenting yourself as a high quality option for her. And that might turn her away from you because she doesn't think basically you got your stuff together. Now I understand, um, as a farmer myself, that like, we have a lot going on, but we got to do the best we can as far as updating that stuff. Even if it's just simply, you know, saying we will leave or we're going we will update you soon. That's better than having an incorrect, um, you know, box or bundle or offer on your page. So <clears throat> again, back to that homeschool mom who's navigating the site. We're talking about navigation. I think that's super important. Um, And then obviously like that she can order products from the page and she can find those products really easily. I've been on several different sites. um, Mostly the third party sites, the barn to doors, the grace carts. I'm going to tell you guys, I, I harp hard on barn to door. Um, One, obviously as Amanda mentioned, because people are leaving your page to go to another page that you don't even own the URL of. I, I, it's a kind of a no, no in the online sales world, but I will say this. I am a, I founded a digital marketing for farmers company. I have a background in digital marketing. I have a hard time navigating the tabs and filters on Barn Door, okay? I would consider myself a tech guy. Like I've built tons of websites. I build websites for our clients. I genuinely have a hard time with it. So if I have a hard time with it, that 65 year old client of yours, good luck. She's going to be calling you, telling you she doesn't know what's going on and she'd like to put an order in for your ground beef. So if you'd like that to happen less, that goes into those conversion rates of having your website, you know, be able to convert well, navigate well, do all those things well. So I hope that some of those examples helped bring that to your guys' world and what you guys got going on. I will plug an old YouTube video that I did. Um, Let me try to pull the title up here real quick. I apologize for my delay because I don't have it right in front of me. But I covered... I covered, uh, it's called website mistakes. Sell more farm products. So it's three farm website critiques. So If you guys check out the YouTube page, that's where it is. And what I did is I critiqued three farm websites. I did it live. I kind of rolled through like this. And I talk about a lot of the things that Amanda just touched on about making sure that, you know, your navigation's up to par. Um, We talked about, you know, some creative elements and then just some navigation stuff to help make sure those conversion rates are going to continue to be high. So with that, we talked about some things that, you know, are going to make a website convert well. Obviously, on the flip side of that, it's going to be some things that make websites not convert well. So Amanda, if you have any examples or specific features that come to mind when you think about a website just not converting well for any certain reason.
1: So, you know, we already covered, you know, Things not working correctly—that's the biggest no-no. Staying on top of that management, um, but also not connecting your brand story, uh, your farm story. You know, so you know that's something that we teach about a lot. Is really you know making that a personal experience um, through your social media marketing as well. Um, but when they get to your website, you want to be able to continue that connection with them and really in an authentic way, you know, so we're talking about authentically, writing about your farm, authentically showing inside photos of your family or your farm and your operation. Um, So I guess a don't would be to to lose that aspect. You know, you want to continue that. So don't leave that out. You know, that's really important is to be able to continue to connect with people in an authentic way. Um, You know, that's another thing that really drives conversions within direct to consumer sales, uh, farm sales specifically, is that people want to know you know who they're buying from, how it was raised, what was in it, what's not in it. Um, so you know, being able to continue that connection and and really um, nurture that with your website.
0: Good deal. Yeah, no, that's 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 a really good point. You mentioned that connection. Obviously, guys in the space that we're in with the farm to table you know, the whole scene, buying direct to consumer, people want to be connected to the farmers they're buying from. And so that's obviously super important on our websites to make sure we're doing that. I have come across some clients and people that aren't doing that just because they either don't feel comfortable in front of the camera or don't feel like it's about them. But at the end of the day, guys, people are buying from us or from you because they want to feel connected to you. They want to trust you. They want to buy directly off the farm and you are the farmer or your family is the farmer. Even if you're not the one out there you know, moving the chicken tractors and doing the stuff, even if you have hired help, you guys are still the ones that are managing the quality control of the product that you're putting out. And people want to have a relationship with you, at least know what you have going on. Now You don't have to share, you know, everything you're doing, eating and breathing every single day, but people would like to see a picture of you. They'd like to see a picture. Maybe it's a picture of the family or it's a picture of you guys together. It's a little snippet about why do you do what you do? Right. Those are all important pieces of connection to have on a website. And then obviously you guys already harped on the third party sales pages that, you know, will take you from your website to basically your online store section. So it's two different websites and you're kind of making your traffic back to number one jump between different hoops. Anytime we do that, that is just not a good practice for digital marketing. So I want to transition to us into this last piece here. And Amanda, this might just be a whole nother episode. Um, because this is this is a lot right here, and we don't have to dive too deep into it, but we want to talk a little bit about the idea of landing pages. So we're talking about websites right now, guys. I'm gonna kind of give us a quick recap. Talked about traffic and conversion. So people who are all those people are coming to our website, and then they're converting on that page, right? So these people are typically coming from organic places, and when we start to look at the idea of running a paid ad. Maybe it's a paid ad for a specific offer. So I teach this in the pre-sold season, guys. Again, if you don't have a copy of that, it's in the show notes. But if we're trying to pre-sell whole and half beef deposits, for example, and we're going to run paid ads for whole and half beef deposits, and we know that that traffic now is coming over to our website and they're coming expecting to buy whole and half beef, we maybe don't want them to land on our website where they have a 3 to 4% conversion rate because we can build them a page on our website called a landing page that's going to be built specifically for whole and half beef deposits. Now on that page, we can include a lot of the same things on our website, right? Pictures of us, the farm, you know, little snippet about why we do what we do, you know, a captivating headline, maybe some social proof of some reviews of people who've bought whole and half beefs from you. They can order the whole and half beefs from that page. Now, the reason we're driving people to this new landing page is in the hopes that the conversion, that number two point is going to be higher. So instead of being that like two, three, 4% that our homepage might be in, now we might get into that five, 6% because we're landing people who are ready and interested in buying a specific offer to a page that they can actually do it on with all the information that they need to do it.
1: Right. Yeah. So when we talk about a landing page, you know, visually, it's like a mini website, right? So we're taking away some of the other options and information. Um, A website is more of like um, a notary where you have all the information at your hands about everything, everything that you sell, every product, every collection, um, you know, shipping information, all, you know, all of the things. Um, And so when we're, when we're using a landing page or talking about a landing page, we're dialing that down to one specific offer, right? So what we want them to see is immediately connect with our brand. So if they, if they know you from other places, they're going to be like, Oh yeah, I recognize that. So we want them to recognize who you are. And then we want to give them a very specific offer and be very clear and specific on that offer. um, And then give them one action to take. Right? So that call to action is giving, giving them one choice to make so that they're not getting diverted by other information. You know, they're not clicking on a navigation bar and and going throughout a, a website, you know, and like for me, if I'm in the middle of dinner and I see an offer and I click on it and, and it brings me to a whole website, then there's, you know, there's, 30, 40 minutes of content in there that I could go through reading and scrolling and whatever. And then in the meantime, someone's come into the kitchen and interrupted me. I've set my phone down and I've completely forgot about it. Right. So if we jump to a landing page instead of a whole website, then, you know, I see, oh, I recognize them. You know, I follow them on Instagram. Um, Oh, they've got a special offer. Click buy done. So it's just a very clear, concise way to drive conversion um, versus a whole website.
0: Great. That was a great explanation. Could not have said it better myself. Um, and I think that's all we'll dive into landing pages and websites. So we help our clients do that, guys. That's kind of part of our program. What we do, we teach that in the direct farm roadmap course. Um, we've talked about that a little bit today. We'll probably do another episode that dives deeper into some landing pages and some sales techniques like that. Um, but for today in this conversation about websites, Um, I think what's important is looking again at those, you know, three things that all brands need to grow, whether that's in a direct to consumer farm business model or just any business in general, that's traffic coming to your website how well that website converts and then retention. So we didn't talk about retention today. Um, that'll probably be another episode, but that's just going to be obviously increasing how often people are buying from us and keeping them, earning them as a lifelong customer, right? That's that retention piece. So Amanda, do you have anything to add before we kind of close out of here?
1: No, um, I think we've got it. So, you know, we've talked in previously about, you know, Collecting our database, how to utilize that. Now we've talked about traffic and how to connect with them through hooks and headlines, selling solutions. Um, and now, you know, onto the websites and landing pages, and how do you utilize that traffic through your website and landing pages? So excited Boom. to move on to, to retention, right? Now, how do That's we right. get them to buy again?
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it was valuable. You got some good takeaways that you can apply to your farming or ranch and operation right away. As always, don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It really helps get this out there to other people that are interested in the conversations that we're having. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if you have not gotten your copy of the pre-sold season, it is in the show notes. So go ahead and grab yourself a copy of that before you leave. Thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you soon on the next episode.